Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Poslo. I'm here with James Heathers from Cypher Skin. James, I, I hate to admit it, but um, I think you're right about something. A couple of weeks ago, we're having a- Good Lord. Yeah. A couple of weeks- Are you sure? Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. A few, a few weeks ago, we're having a chat and we were talking about um, the, the great resignation which is happening in different industries. And you were saying, you were predicting that it's going to happen more and more within academia. And look, I kind of agree with you, but I'm, I, I kept thinking, well, I, I don't think it's going to be to the same extent. But it seems to be happening quite a lot more from people announcing stuff on Twitter. Now, I don't know whether this is an algorithm thing. Of course, when people are saying, hey, I found a great new job, I'm leaving academia, I'm doing this thing, people tend to like it, people tend to respond. And that is good for the algorithm. Those things pop up. So um, although these things are coming up a lot more on my feed, I still do think this is happening a lot. And this isn't people who are like in temporary positions. These are people with like, you know, tenured positions who are going, see you later. I'm not doing this thing anymore. So yes, it's happening a lot. And uh, your prediction seems to be coming true. Yeah, well, I mean, I have one tremendous advantage in this that you do not, Daniel. You've you've seen the other side. No, I've spent the last 18 months being very public about doing exactly the same thing, so lots of people have wanted to talk to me about it. Oh, so you can see it's happening. Well, you can see underneath the surface at least. Yeah, yeah, of course, because I'm interested in the process. I quite like helping people. Um, you probably know this, but people who are listening to this may not actually know this. I, I help a lot of people, um, and I consider it to be illegitimate to be public about helping them a lot of the time because the world isn't Instagram. So <laughs> a lot of people write to me and I, I try to help them. Yeah. Um, and when you do what I did, then people write to you about this. So, I have had, oh dear, um, maybe 20 conversations now with different people who are graduate students, postdocs, research scientists, junior faculty, and tenured McGinty, who are all sort of looking for guidance, I suppose, in and around just exactly how do I make my way mentally from here to there. And it's it's been really, really interesting because it's it's a side of the profession that you don't normally see. Obviously, I'm not going to say these people's names, but I mean, if so at least one of them are going to hear this, they go, I just, it's not just you, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it it is obvious to see why it's happening because- People complain all the time, oh, we have all these PhD students and none of them are going to get faculty job, McFuck. And they're they're given very little insight into what the rest of the world offers. Why don't we tell them? Okay, yep, fair enough. Um, I have an equivalent amount of empathy for people who actually got to have faculty job, McFuck, and then turned up one day and went, this is getting worse and worse and worse. I don't I don't like this. 
they're fucking with my pension. My job is not keeping up with inflation. I have too much to do. The pandemic's really sucked. The last two years have made it really clear to me that university management is essentially demons in tweed. <laughs> I've got the fucking shits and I want to see what else life has to offer. And it's 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 perfectly natural. Licorice for fuck's sake, I swear to Christ, I'm gonna turn you into a very small rug. You have been such a turd today. But Shut wait, up. H- how did you find out this stuff? Because now, if you are online, Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. talking to people, I don't think you can avoid these types of conversations where people says the job prospects suck. Back when we were doing our PhDs, there wasn't really that much stuff going on online, well, not, 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 not as much anyway. I remember how I, I found out about bad job prospects. I didn't know this. And I remember going to a conference. I think I was in my first or second year of my PhD. And this was some, some neuroscience conference in, in, in Barcelona. And there was a careers, a careers talk. And I remember going to this careers talk, you're talking about, you know, careers in academia. And there was like three or four people on the panel. And the first three people were basically like, oh, you know, this, this, the same old stuff you usually hear. Just, just, you know, get get your publications and and, and plan ahead, and and it's all going to be great. And then the fourth person was the first time I've actually heard someone say, "Your chances are extremely slim," and and just laying out the realities of, of academia. And this was actually the first time that I've heard this. And I remember looking around the crowd. There was about a hundred people sitting in this room, some conference room somewhere in Barcelona. And I remember looking around, seeing like there was at least like 20 other people with that same look on on their faces going, this is the yeah, first- Yeah, but you look like that to start yeah. with. Come on, man. <laughs> but it was it was such a surprise. And that, that, was, that was the first time. And it was then, it, that was the first time I actually thought, oh, shit, like, I, this isn't a given. Like, my chances are very slim. And I, I can't believe it took that long for me to f- find out. Like, I don't know, m- maybe it's different nowadays with, with stuff being discussed online, but I don't know. Like, I-, I wonder if there's still people out there who are still kind of clueless about this stuff, but I, I guess you do yes. hear- Okay. Well, yes. What? Dan, fuck. I mean, how many times- we, 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 we talk about meta science, open science stuff a lot, right? And one of the things that I keep coming back to that I've almost certainly heard you say in as many words is- Remember, you're in a bubble. Yeah. And what we think is right and necessary and interesting and progresses the field that seems normal to us is still there are people who you would think would know better who are waking up every single day and going, fuck me, what's a preprint? <laughs> no, it's true. It's so true. Yeah, yeah. yeah I totally, I totally agree. Now, those are people with jobs who've met lots of other people in faculty and gone to faculty meetings and, and you know, and they're drinking shit coffee in the lounge <laughs> with other academics and they're swapping emails with that lady they met at that conference because she was really good at that thing. And then they met that fella down the hall and it's all mixed up in a bucket and they have a ready-made network of all the people that they work with and all the people that they've met and these people don't fucking know, right? Now, back that off to someone who's worked by themselves with us, one primary supervisor and two lab mates, yeah, you know, yeah. one of whom appears to be a bog troll that never <laughs> talks, um, and realize that the, the narrowing of the scope of a lot of this is a feature, not a bug. Okay. We want you, 
We want you to be in your basement. We don't want you to be uh, protesting the fact that your real world wages have gone down by 8% because of how they've bumped up your shit. We don't want you to join a union. We don't want you to have a discussion. We want you to shut the fuck up and do the complicated, time-consuming thing, right? And we engineer environments to make people do that. And the opposite is true for people who push back against this sort of environment. These are the PIs who are dead set on sending their students to conferences and trying to come up with fucking money to do this and that and, and, and proposing them for awards and a six-week scheme in this fucking city and looking for a bursary that's specifically for uh, uh, an underprivileged Latino dude who wants to go into this specific like field me. and go to... Just like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really fucking underprivileged. <laughs> I mean, you can you can afford a trainee mustache and terrible decor at the very least. So you're uh, so fucking lucky the video of this doesn't come yeah. out. <laughs> Although I look like a bag of shit today, yeah. so maybe I'm lucky too. <laughs> I am I am a harried man, Daniel. A harried man at present. So look, if if we shake all this together. If we shake all this together, there is a tremendous not knowing. And it's not born of the lack of intelligence or the, 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 the lack of interest in the people who are involved. They're people who are involved in a closed process. And so it takes them a while to become aware of how broad a shit is set up. Now, when what I said before was when it came to predicting the fact that this was going to become a thing, Right, I'm not even sure how how I phrase that, but ugh, like six of one, half a dozen of the other. I had a, I had an advantage of thinking that uh, because people wrote to me to talk about it. Mm. I had another advantage here when it comes to understanding this environment, which is the fact that I spent big, big, big chunks of whatever with a plan B. Now, I don't know if I've really talked about this because there are a lot of shiny, happy people in America who mainline all their great habits on the internet and they'll podcast about it and they'll show off and they'll tattoo their habits on their dick and then windmill it in the fucking public market, you know? But I have mainlined the language and ideas and discourse and pieces of what I thought a business environment would be like for a long time before I actually entered it. Hours and hours and hours and hours of random podcasts and random books and random blogs and reading things that I used to think were fucking stupid, like Bloomberg, which I always thought was basically digital cancer. <laughs> and you... At some point in time, this I mean, this is how I started doing physiology stuff in the first place without anyone to teach me. I just tried to macro absorb the entire environment of how pieces fit together. And there was a point, I think, during my postdoc research scientist sort of trajectory where maybe three, three and a half hours in a day, I would listen to business podcasts and also look not not shiny happy people not people who are all unaccountably called kevin talking about lol shares i mean the actual like the gritty shit 
of all of it. I listened to a podcast for a while that's just on like local business marketing and it came right down to if I'm trying to sell my florist, where's the button on the thing that I need to find? And what is what has Google changed in search features that allow people to find me this and that? And then on the other hand, people in private equity talking about fucking mergers and acquisitions and where you get $800 million to buy a fucking company, right? Now, it's all commercial life and it's enormous. And I always presumed that what's happening to these people now was coming. So I got ready for it. I was mentally ready. So this was a conscious decision. Yeah. Okay. And if it if it never happened in this way, I mean, if someone had offered me a, a, a cute sort of like starter faculty job with a with a wee package or or, or something like that, I mean, it, it would have been quite a difficult decision because I, I quite liked that work. And people have a tendency not to. I mean, can you imagine trying to make me do stuff at a professional level? No. It's it, it's quite hard. <laughs> Um, it, it's has been historically difficult for a variety of yeah, people. I think I'm, I'm much on the other end I'm of much, that. <laughs> I'm much con- I'm much more congenitally suited to telling other people what to do. Um, and that actually brings out the best in me because it, it brings out a, a tremendous force to be reasonable and to be understood and to make sure that people are taken care of. I'm actually quite nice when I'm in charge of shit. When I'm not in charge of shit, I'm I'm an appalling human being a lot of the time. So I've <laughs> I've I found I found that out. Um, Maybe not the best I, for a faculty position then, unless unless you were yeah, like head of school, see, here's, straight to head of school. See, here's 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 the thing: if they roll you in and it's a five year thing, I mean, then you're on another separate time track. Yeah, you only have to work for a certain amount of time before all the shit stops. And I was never going to like not do a side thing. I was never going to not explore other options. I was never going to not take three months off or take a sabbatical and get some other fucking job, right? It was always going to be, everything was always going to be a mix all the time. And it felt like, it felt like in my life quite some time ago, time to learn about all the stuff. Now, I don't speak about it on this podcast because the vast majority of the time it has fuck all to do with anything we discuss. (laughs) Air air conditioning, HVAC, what's it called? Are you referring to the the what I, I went through a, a kick of trying to understand how uh, building management works? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say there wasn't other shit. I said that this was one of the things <laughs> that I tried to understand primarily. But yeah, I was fascinated with HVAC. Um, I realized that uh, I was. It was the second building that I'd worked in in a row where absolutely no one understood why the air conditioning was so incredibly fucking terrible. So you jumped down a YouTube uh, hole. Uh, uh, yeah, a podcast hole. For I the do, most part, I do the same started thing reading Wikipedia. articles, articles from trade schools and shit like that <laughs> about. Uh, no, seriously, yeah, knowledge is knowledge is no burden to carry. It doesn't always have to be another fucking paper. There's a lot of technical. Um, there's a lot of technical information in the world where if you have the ability to assimilate technical information, it's super useful. The whole point is I spent a lot of time marinating in this shit before it happened. And it's advice that you can, you can try to give to other people and you can talk about it. And sometimes I, sometimes I sort of test balloon stuff and I send business shit to people who are in academic environments. And almost exclusively, there is a mental block towards trying to understand how it works, giving a shit, etc. And I find people are almost categorical. Either they're interested or they aren't. Okay. 
I was one of the very few people who wasn't really intrinsically interested at all. It was just sort of something that had to be surmounted. Like if I was being posted to a different country, I would have to learn the rudiments of a different language. You know? So this, it was like me trying to learn to speak passable Farsi. You're like, oh, fuck, this is hard. I don't know. The, oh, it's just, oh, Christ. Oh, you know, you just sort of, you had that feeling of, ugh. Until eventually it becomes normal and you can do it without thinking about it. And it's been, it's been useful in reverse as well. So trying to understand, I mean, it's nothing pisses me off more now than people who've been career academics their whole life taking something that I've said about some fiscal-ish proposal and then going, well, what would you know? I've been around this game for quite a while, Sonny Jim. Like, you run a fucking company? <laughs> You're a fucking sociologist at the University of Western who gives a shit. Eat my ass. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Never written a P&L in your fucking life. Shut up. Honestly. You know, the people who go, oh, no, we couldn't possibly pay reviewers, James. What we should do is my system of completely reforming the entire multi-billion dollar publication industry from scratch. Now, I've got my Harry Potter magic wand here, and I'm going to magic this is the uh, all option. these multinational companies out of- I'm going to magic all those companies out of existence. That's what we really should be doing. <laughs> Working on the flick of the wrist needed to engage the magic wand in cancelling multinational corporations who sell information for money. Fuck you and fuck your sociology, you fucking dimwits. Speaking of payment, yeah. did, did you- that's, that's my political discourse. <laughs> <laughs> political discourse of the episode. So, speaking of payment, did you see um, there was a bit of discussion- about associate editors and them getting paid and people voicing their experiences, there was a you mixture know, of- I, I don't see things. I don't see things anymore. Yeah, Damn. so um, that's why I'm telling I you. Was, I, was, I was 15 minutes late to this after being half an hour late to this, and now I'm, I'm going to be- I'm going to be some amount of time late to the next thing I'm doing, and then I'm going to be up half the night anyway. So, no, I didn't fucking see it. This was Please thing. continue. This was posted by, by a friend of the show, Ico. Ico from- Ico and- it's- it's pronounced Elko. It's Sweden's first elk-flavored soft drink. <laughs> he asked. He asked the question um, about people: how much do associate editors get paid? And there was a mixture of responses from "I cannot believe." Not much. Uh, yeah, generally speaking, I mean, <clears throat> some of the responses was like, I, I, "I'm an associate editor, and I've never been paid, and I didn't know anyone ever got paid at all." To uh, it's just that meme. Wait, you guys are getting paid with the chubby-faced fella from the film. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wait, you guys are getting paid? There was there, there, there was there was a bit of that. And um look, a, a range of payments from like sort of modest stuff to 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 more generous stuff, but um anyway. I would say for a commercial publishing house 10 20 grand? Um that was the higher end of what some people were saying. It just depends. But um a lot of them were a, mm. a lot of them were, were a bit lower. Anyway, yeah, so associated okay. So what do you what, med- median maybe? A couple of thousand a year. So low. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, social look, scientists? Yeah. Not medicine, surely. Yeah. Look, look in medicine, I mean, uh, doesn't the editor of JAMA get like crap load of money? Well, yes, but that's a full-time job yeah. for a fancy person. But you know, yeah, look- It's not an associate editor. Most, most of these social scientists were talking a couple, couple of thousand and a lot of them were like, I cannot believe other people get paid. And they were very, they were, they were very surprised. Some of them would get paid by piece <laughs> rates and I'm not- sure about that <laughs> it, it's like it's like they're in a factory 
<laughs> so some of them were saying, yeah, like I, I get paid per paper I handle, um, whether it's accepted or rejected, which is good. How much? Oh, some of them were literally like like ten ten dollars per paper that I handle. That is not very much money. Yeah. Um, other, others a bit more, but um, f- fortunately, most of them were saying, "Yeah, I-, I get that, regardless of whether I accept or reject." Because, yeah, if it's papers you accept, then you bring a, <laughs> a whole lot of other biases there. Anyway, that was interesting, and I'll find the link to the, the question and the responses. But I want to talk about this, this preprint, which which came out a couple of days ago from uh, Felix Schonbrot. Fucking ham-fisted segue. That was a good. That good was one. that was a good one. This is from uh, Felix Schonbrot. Uh, uh, nice bread. And co-authored with Angelica Stefan, and it's called "Little Big Lies: A Compendium and Simulation of P Hacking Strategies." I really like this paper. Really like this preprint. Um, there's not often that I see a meta science preprint, and I'm like, that is really smart, and it offers some answers, some really interesting questions, rather mm-hmm. than actually sort of saying that preprints, uh, sorry, preprints, rather than rather than actually talking about the about the existence of P hacking, it goes into the various ways and recognizes that not not all p hacking is created equal, and that some mm-hmm. forms of p hacking have via simulation that some forms of p hacking are, are more likely to increase uh, false positives. And what's really interesting was that a lot of people have come up with suggestions on how to reduce p hacking, which is good. You know, w- one of the suggestions is well, you know, we just need to uh, increase sample sizes or we need to increase pre-registration. But they actually simulated different conditions and some forms of p-hacking, if you increase sample sizes, it actually would reduce it a little bit. Whereas other forms of p-hacking, it makes no difference. So it's a really nice demonstration that you need to tailor the sort of things that you're doing to sort of to target the types of p-hacking which are more which, which are more likely to be found in, in certain research areas. So I, 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 I really like this. Check out the paper. I'll definitely post a, a link to, to this, but it talks about these uh, 12, what is it? Yes, 12 p-hacking strategies mm. and the differences with the false positive risk. I liked it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> absolute, absolutely marvelous idea for a paper uh, on this sort of seeing as believing basis. Um because it gives you an empirical basis to talk about what is what where. You know, how exactly does it work? Um, you showed this to me 90 seconds before we got down. And even just scrolling through and looking at some of the graphs that are looking at false positive rates versus um, uh, false, false positive rates versus the, the, the kind of scale of badness, I suppose, yeah. for any individual method. I've fucking done some of these on like the back of an envelope before um and this is great they obviously would have done a much better job than i ever would have structuring something like this and putting it all together um especially with the like the full spectrum version and the comparison it's actually very impressive because it's so fucking comprehensive um there's a few little bits and pieces. I mean, you, I feel like with these individual points, uh, outlier exclusion, uh, selective reporting of independent variables, covariate control, variable transformation. I think any one of these uh, pushed sufficiently out, including like real world examples, retooling things that uh, people have already left lying around the scientific comments. Any single one of these points could be a whole fucking paper in and of itself. 
But you're right. As far as I can tell, this is a marvelous piece of work. And I'm looking forward to I don't get to read a lot of papers fully these days, but I would really like to read the whole thing. If I have one thing that stands out in my head, it's the fact that they never made the full transition from p-hacking being on a spectrum to stronger versions of fuckery what do you mean because okay p-hacking when we talk about it a lot of the time is a hypothetical quantity right because the fact that it's turned into a verb in the first place i p-hack you p-hack he she p-hacks right um (laughs) we are we're talking about the outcome not the intent so a lot of the time we don't know, like, are you a dumb fuck who just <laughs> did some dumb fuck stuff? Or are you doing a Brian Wansink here and jiggling the analysis around and on the 300th version, everything suddenly works? Now, there is a tremendous scale here, but it doesn't stop at p-hacking on one side and it gets into more forms of active manipulation on the other. So when you're going to do outlier detection and you're going to look at all the different methods, we know... We have caught people previously shaving data sets, right? Throwing away things that are very definitely not outliers or swapping group memberships to make things work. <laughs> so, that's right? just so bad. <laughs> yeah, it is. But here's the thing. If we're talking about what's the scale of this fuckery, you should not fully confine yourself to low-calorie fuckery. You should include a little bit of full fat fuckery on the end of that. Swapping group membership is, (laughs) that's just. Well, obviously that's, I mean, at that point in time, that's falsification, isn't it? Right? Because you are materially making a change to something to represent it inaccurately. Whereas outlier detection detection You're not making the data up. You're changing the assignation of the real data, which is falsification. I, I would <laughs> sort of think that we'd be fraud. How is, how is that? No, no. you stop. It's, it's, it doesn't work. This is, it's, it, the, the FFP definitions on this are quite clear. Yeah? Making something up from scratch is different to taking a real thing, even if you're using the real thing in a way that is completely okay. unintended, okay. is completely dishonest, because if you're making it up from scratch, none of it happened. Right? And it's it's almost impossible, incredibly unlikely to the extent that excuses for this should just never be accepted on the basis of probability, that you could invent data by accident. But you can falsify something by accident. Okay. Right? Yep. Okay. okay. It, also, it also changes your relationship with a funding attribution that says you have to do the work. If you do the work, Right? And then you report it in a way that's falsified. It's different to spending all the money on hookers and blow and not doing the fucking work at all. <laughs> so, which has been a, done a, a few dis- times. Yeah, it was a quite recently. A case, I think, a temple, that, that, a temple yeah, university. Literally, hookers and blow. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I think they're channeling a Frank Zappa song on that one. Um, so. I mean, far be it from me to look at something this comprehensive and just suggest more shit. <laughs> but the what you'd be very surprised. I did fully simulate this at one point in time, and that was the genesis of a paper that I wrote with Dave Grimes. Um, 
that Which is, is published eventually, look, pre-printed. Yeah, it's 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 published. It's it, it's it's on redaction bias, and it ended up being quite a technical paper. Um, and it's related to this, so maybe I might send it to the authors. Um, and it it gets into it it gets into uh, a very small amount of the space, but this is this has done much more much more cleanly and in totality. Yeah, it's in uh, Royal Society Open Science. Okay. It was published at the end of last year. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it's a mathematical treatment of basically what happens if you are dishonest in your redaction. So, you start off with a normal Gaussian and you distort it by essentially producing a cutoff. Right? So... What happens when what happens when you do that? And it goes into just that, but like what happens if you do that for say a preclinical study? What happens if you do that for a human trial? What happens if you do that for something that's more epidemiological? And I mean, I think it's interesting, but I realize that in many respects it's of very little broader interest. Not in not in a way that this is. This is a much more approachable and probably better written paper, um, considering what last year was like for me. <laughs> um, yeah, this is this will very definitely be of primary interest to Hertz listeners. I'm very surprised. Um, I would have thought um, there's a great figure which provides an overview of the, the false positive rates and and the p hacking severity. Uh, it's one of those things that you'd sort of all these p-hacking strategies kind of get lumped into a big bucket, but different p-hacking mm. strategies. Are you talking about figure 11? I am talking about figure 11. And yes. I was surprised that the, the one of the worst or best, one of the worst strategies that you can pick is controlling covariates. I would have thought that controlling covariates, which is a common strategy, you know, you, you often see this paper, we predicted if we controlled for these four covariates to be in effect, piss off, you predicted mm. that. Uh, this actually had some of the lowest rates, some of the lowest false positive rates. So if you are doing that, you, you you're an amateur. <laughs> if well, you- bear bear in mind, bear in mind, Daniel, that it's one of the easiest to justify to yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because you are not very well aware the vast majority of the time what should and should not be in your big bucket of covariates, and you have all of this information. And we have a very strong cultural tendency as people in the social, behavioral, and medical sciences to throw our hands up and go, well, I guess, I guess that could be fucking related. Like, how much SEM do you want me to do, mom? Um, and then just try shit and see what hits. Yeah. 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 But also bear in mind, looking at a figure like this, that you are under no obligation to use these methods in isolation. Some of them will go together very well. That's what they talk about in the paper. These are often combined. Right. Okay. So I feel I feel like controlling covariates would be an ideal second measurement <laughs> to use. Yeah. Um, the one that I thought was was interesting from because obviously that's that that is kind of the key figure. Um, there is one here that says uh, it's called variable. I was hoping you'd bring that up. Yes. Right. Now, as you can see, 
That is a stone cold motherfucker. That's a surprise. Not really. It's surprising that it's so common and you don't often associate. Look, you get a data set, it's not normally distributed. Log transformation. Like if someone did that in the paper, uh it's 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 common and it's not surprising. And I wouldn't sort of think that that's p hacking. But then then again. A lot of the time, this can be quite a hard one. Now, this comes in a lot of the time in different biological variables where we have a reasonable expectation that the numbers involved are logarithmically or power law distributed. So we wish to treat them with basic linear methods and we seek to unfuck them, allegedly, by using a transform. Yeah. But... This is also obviously one that cannot be hidden because the moment that you graph the thing and it goes from one to three instead of something sane, (laughs) then it's very, very difficult to explain why you suddenly decided to square root everything just to make it normal. Obviously, there's a lot of tests where that doesn't matter, right? You're not going to change the ranks, for instance. You're not going to change much about a t-test, on and on. Um, So... While it's obviously going to make a giant difference because different transforms like that, depending on the data that you've got, are going to scale and compress different parts of the data itself. And you can pick anything the fuck you like and make it squidgy at one end or squidgy at the other or whatever the fuck you like with a normal mathematical function that everyone else has heard of. But the main problem for using it is you must report it in the paper. And if you do it, it's very likely that even a reasonably thick reviewer will say, can I see the normal one as well? Because yeah. I don't know why you use the square root of the number plus one. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I almost always ask because especially- Likrish, when- I swear to Christ, I will, I will have you fucking shot. You are such a pest. You are such a pest today. You're lucky that I love you. You're lucky. Off- You're lucky. Often when a sane man would have you shot out of a cannon into the sea. Sorry, Daniel. Often when I'm reviewing a paper, I'll request when they're actually plotting it to to show the raw data because I want to see, I want to understand at a glance if what what the actual raw data is. Um, but I, I, I guess look, this 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 makes sense, and you could always do non-parametric tests, and I guess you could do some weird transformations. But I'm I'm just I'm I, I, I imagine this would make a difference, but I was surprised and how strong this was compared to everything else. Uh, I, I, uh, also, look, bear, bear in mind this is, there's a thousand ways to cut something up, um, and every one of these should be considered prospective to like a range and a data type and yeah. a whole bunch of other shit. So there's going to be a reasonable normativeness of this as something that is listed as being within the social and behavioral sciences quantitative methods, yeah? Um. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of places where, where none of this applies. Some some fields don't have conventions that are so strong that if you don't do them mathematically, it's totally unthinkable. Like, oh, the way that a lot of uh, biological data is analyzed has been the same since the dawn of time, <laughs> since the fucking start of the microscope. So, you know, you suddenly drop a square root on it. Go fuck yourself. No, it's the same. Like, look at it and go, you made a mistake because it literally doesn't work like that. There's no analytical flexibility because 
They've all just agreed in 1975 that there's an appropriate way to analyze said data. Well, that's the same as like when, when we're reviewing heart rate variability studies. Someone comes up with this like weird metric going, we, we chose, this, chose this metric and we, it was significant. You need to spend a lot of time actually justifying what you did. Right. It, it, it brings up a lot of red flags if you're doing- Well, yeah, because no one, no one, no one ever knows what it means. <laughs> I mean, this, this, you, can, you can analyze variance any way you want. People have thrown the fucking kitchen sink at, at data types like that. And they come up with something, and it shows a difference between two things, making it wholly unremarkable in the 140 other versions of the same shit, right? It's no, and there's no reason, like the reasons to do this are either inherently mathematical, like I saw a biological system from across the room once, and this, the following equations held true, so fuck it, we'll try it. Goofy. It's goofy. Yeah. It's people just doing calculations because they can and hoping that whoever reads it has a psychology degree and is <laughs> impressed by the fact that there's a fucking theta symbol. Shut up, Lucrish. Yes. Check out this paper. 12p hacking severity measures. Super interesting. It's marvelous. It's marvelous. Well, d- well done to the authors. I'm not, I'm, not in a, I'm not in a bad mood. I'm in quite a good mood now because you made me read this. And this is one of the, you know, about one in six, one in eight things you make me read really are, <laughs> are really great. There's also, so an, there's also an, a particularly, shiny app. Particularly good job to Angelica Stefan yes. and Felix Nicebread. Well, well done. Because I, th- I think that in a few years, this will be a reason. This is obviously going to get published somewhere useful, allegedly. Um, and I think this will be referred to and well cited in a couple of years. We'll be looking at this. And this is a, this is a, a, a significant piece of work in uh, the meta-sci- meta-scientific context in which it's been deployed. Yeah. It's also hefty. This is a 58-page manuscript yeah, with but no it's, filler. It's no, Exactly, no filler. No, no, none of this psychology paper with the 40-page introduction. This is, this is, all, very, this is, this is all very good. <laughs> I, I wrote a yeah. paper and uh, it had like- Yeah, and also it's a, it's a day old and it has a thousand views. Whoa, so with some good numbers there. Yep. That's a lot. For a 58-page meta-science paper, that's fucking yeah, well that's done. Yeah, solid. That's solid. Well done. I think we're safe to say we're both impressed. I, I saw a paper from um, a, old mate Larkins wrote a paper on um, uh, sample size justification. Preprint has like like oh, some insane amount of views and downloads. I think like twenty thousand downloads or something. And I, I saw a tweet where he's like, "Oh, it's got an accepted publication." I'm like, "You don't even, you don't even need to do that anymore." <laughs> when you have that crazy amount of views on on on, on, on your preprint, man, it's just yeah. Anyway. Useful stuff. Good, uh, good preprint. Play us out, Daniel. Yes, thanks. <laughs> that was yeah. I have a cat to strangle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for listening. You're such a bad boy. Check out. I'm going to post. Such a terrible boy. We will post a link to that preprint. You can read it for yourself and to the shiny app, so you you can actually play around with with different mm. different um, different simulations. So yeah. it's hack your hack your own peas. Hack your own hack your own peas. It's an, It's I, I include this in my workshops. The LP hacking app to actually show the sort of effects you can get. But I think this this new app is just is just the same thing on steroids. Thank you for listening. We will be back again very soon with a new episode of Everything Hurts. See you later. Yeah, I'm afraid so. (laughs) And you'll have to deal with all this again.
Bye-bye.